You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today, my guest is craft and food stylist Paul Lowe, founder of Sweet Paul Blog, and as of 2009, the incredible magazine Sweet Paul, which features everything from recipes, crafts, and entertaining ideas to shopping tips and city tours. In 2012, Sweet Paul Magazine launched its first print edition with Anthropology, and now it's stocked at incredible stores worldwide. I have always found Paul's dedication to original content and editorial integrity so inspiring, so I'm excited to talk to him today about his background and the birth of one of my favorite magazines. So, welcome, Paul. Thank you, Grace. <laughs> Quite the introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I could help with that. Yeah, that's awesome. You should do all my PR. I know. I'll just stand in front of you with this gorgeous magazine. Paul bought uh, the summer 2013 issue, which is just so ridiculously gorgeous. Um, it's so nice to see print magazines like still existing, and I have so many questions to ask you about print and <laughs> thoughts on that. But before we dive in, I want to like rewind a bit, a sure. lot, a bit, and talk about your background mm-hmm. and uh, where you grew up. I grew up in um, in Oslo, Norway. And, Hence your uh, delightful accent. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I moved. Uh, I moved to New York eight years ago. Oh, I thought you've been here for so much longer than no, that. No, I haven't. It feels like it actually yeah. feels much longer. But no, it's actually been eight years. I um, I happened to meet someone online, and he happened to live in New York. <gasps> and you know, rest I is did history. not know it's this. Like, yeah. No. <gasps> I did not know. Okay, wait, we have so many more questions to talk about related to that. <laughs> Let's get the work stuff out of the way and then we can gossip. Um, so I read you were raised by your aunt and your grandmother? Yes, well, or? I had, uh, you know, my parents were working a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they were having b- a bunch of shops and restaurants and they were always working late. So oh. I, was, I was raised by my, yes, my great aunt and my grandmother. And they taught me they were very smart because they let me help from mm-hmm. a very early age so i had my own little cutting board and my own knife and my own little bowls and stuff and they would let me help in the kitchen yeah and you know their whole existence was to make me happy so you know if i wanted to go on a picnic we went on a picnic if i wanted to make you know pine cone christmas trees we made <laughs> pine cone christmas trees they were like Whatever they could do to make me happy. Were you an would. only child? I was until I was eight. And oh, then, okay. you know, the trouble started. <laughs> you know. You've had eight idyllic years of pine cones. Yes, I had eight them. wonderful, <laughs> wonderful years. And then my sister came. I'm imagining you in like these little like stripey pins, like pinstripe seersucker outfits, like with these women carrying you around, making picnics for you. And then the sister arrived. Well, I was, I was very, I was apparently a very organized and decent child. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> this sounds really stupid, but I, I, I wouldn't use paper napkins. Oh my God. It was just like. Written you, in- <laughs> you know something? Because I was living and we, we lived kind of um, a little kind of far outside of Oslo. Yeah. And I was living with these two little ladies. There weren't that many kids around. Mm-hmm. 
And they were telling me all these stories about the olden days and how amazing it was and, you know, all the servants and all this and all that and everything was so pretty. So I was kind of like in my head, I thought I was like little Lord Fontaine. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Did you, it's your parents were working in restaurants and shops as well? or? Yeah, well, they started out having like a bunch of interior stores mm-hmm. and then they went into the restaurant business. So you've kind of managed to synthesize both of those things really beautifully in what you do now. Did you see that sort of coming? Or do you think that's just, you were born to do that? Uh, no, I knew that I would, I, well, for, I've, I wanted first to be an actor. Oh, yes. I didn't know this. And in Norway at that time, there was only one school, like yeah. a state school. And the first year I applied, I didn't get in. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> what am I going to do now? And then a friend of my mother's had a flower shop. And he said, well, why don't Paul come and work at this, uh, the shop? He, I think he would be, like, good at this. So I started a flower shop, and I thought it was really fun. Yeah. So I actually opened up my own shop. And Just I had flowers? That for about Yeah, with flowers. And I had that for about 10 years. Oh, my God. And then a friend of mine who was a photographer, you know, started using, you know, flowers for me. And then she asked me to come on shoots. And she said that, you know, Paul, I think you would be good at styling. So why don't you try that? And I did. And I loved it. And were you just kind of throwing yourself in? Or were you sort of, was there somebody you were looking at? Totally throwing myself in. And I remember we did, we did two stories. We shot two stories. One about apples. And we went into the forest because I knew of this old abandoned house. And we, you know, we shot the whole story there. It actually was it was pretty. And then we did the thing about tropical fruit. <laughs> and, and I remember we went to a magazine and said, oh, do you want to have a look and maybe give us some criticism and stuff? Yeah. And, and the editing chief was like, oh, my God, I love this. I'll buy it. Whatever you make, I'll buy. Oh, my God. And I was thinking, oh, oh, that's easy. So... <laughs> So I actually, I actually closed down my shop and and started as a full time stylist. Wow! So did you hire people right away, or was it just you, or how did you sort of no, build that styling me. business? It's just me, and then you know later on I would get assistance. Yeah, I love that. I love when stories are kind of this perfect coordination of like uh, right place, right time, right skills. Where yes, which is I'm the, tr- la- the last I'm, part yeah. is is incredibly important because I'm not a true believer in that. Yeah. But I think if you're kind of in the right place in the right time and you've been sort of training in what you should be training in, then that's the sort of thing that happens is those things seem to fall into your lap. Yeah, and you have, to, you have to be open. You have to yeah. be open for new things and new experiences. And, and just, you know, the, there was... It's, it's so strange. I mean, the last place I would expect to end up was New York. Yeah. I went there on holiday a few years ago and I hated it. it Wait, why did you awful. hate New York? Well, it was October. It was hot as H. And <laughs> we only brought like, you know, we came from Norway, so yeah. we brought like full clothes. I had mm-hmm. to go out and buy a whole new wardrobe. We lived down in Koreatown. I remember it was so smelly, like the garbage and stuff. I thought everyone was so rude. I thought it was <laughs> super cheap. I remember I refused to take the subway. It's too warm. I was completely bitched that whole weekend and on you the were plane, little lord fauntleroy totally, in new york totally, goes to new york totally and on the way on the plane home i told my friend that you know i don't need to come back i've done new york i'm yeah. fine and here i am and you're back now and loving I'm it i'm back well let's talk about well, what did new york was the reason you came to new york truly just 
for the man of your dreams? Yes, it was. <laughs> I want to know that story now. It has nothing to do with what we were supposed to talk about, but I totally want to know. That's fine. Well, I met a guy online, started talking. And this was when you were in, still in Norway? Yes. Okay. And he happened to be in New York. And I remember it was, we started talking in November. And sort of in the middle of December, he said, what are you doing for Christmas? And I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything. You know, I have a small family. It's not really that big of a deal. So then he said, well, why don't you come to New York? And I did. And, you know, the rest is history. I I will say the love didn't last, but I'm still here. (laughs) I'm glad you're still here. Yes. So let's talk about the birth of Sweet Paul, the blog. Yes. Because that was my first introduction to you. Um, Mm -hmm. First, I want to talk about the name. Because I think it's like such an adorable name. How did well, you choose Sweet Paul? It's, it's a funny story. I had uh, my godmother, who's Norwegian, she married a NATO doctor in the 70s. Oh. And moved, she was American, moved to Texas. That had to be a huge culture shock. Oh, God. <laughs> she came back after four years. Where did she go in Texas? I, I, know, I can't remember. <laughs> she came back after four years. They divorced. But... She was completely transformed. She left Norway as this, you know, cute Norwegian woman. She came back as Peg Bundy. (laughs) Her clothes was a little too tight. Yeah. The heels were too high. Yeah. Her boobs were too big. Her hair was, like, enormous. (laughs) (laughs) She was the kind of person my grandmother would call, like, a tacky American. Tacky, okay. Yes. But she was the best babysitter ever. <laughs> and she had all these stories about her life in America. You know, rattlesnakes in the garden <laughs> and like steaks as big as you have to have two plates and all these amazing stories. And she would, she would, always, she would always call me Sweet Paul. Mm-hmm. So when I started my blog, I was like, oh, what am I going to call this crap? <laughs> and I was oh, Sweet Paul is perfect. That's what I love when people. That was how I chose my blog name was as well was something my mom used to call me, and I think that's always so nice. I mean, I don't know if it makes any relevance to people reading it, but it's so nice. I think when you can have some sort of like older family connection to yes, what yes. you do, it makes things feel so much more important and personal. I agree, totally. And so let's talk about the transition from blog to print because that's one a lot of people have done and have not done successfully, but you've done that so well. So you launched the magazine in two thousand nine as an online magazine well yeah i you know i've been i've been working as a food and prop stylist for 24 years mm-hmm. and working a lot around europe and you know european magazines are very different from mm-hmm. american magazines absolutely um they're much more fun to work with <laughs> they're much more creative i'm sorry guys but it's saying telling the truth i've heard they pay a lot better too. <clears throat> yeah they pay better and it's just much more creative. Mm-hmm. So when I moved here, I felt very restricted. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of jobs where, you know, go and find five plates. And it's nothing wrong with it, but I was just feeling that, oh, I, I have all this, you know, all this experience and all these abilities that's not being used. Yeah. And in order to keep my sanity, more or less, I started a magazine because I, I just felt that like I'm not being, oh, I'm not doing what I really should be doing. Yeah. So that's why I started it. I think that's a good reason to start it. How did you choose to start it as an online magazine versus print out of the gate? Uh, because of money. 
<laughs> pretty totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was. Um, I remember reading about Lonnie. Mm-hmm. The Big uh, Times article, or yes, yeah. And then I was like, oh, on, oh wow, online magazine. Wow, okay. Doesn't you know? Oh, you don't have to be like in the Hearst family to yeah. own a magazine. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. You just need issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I remember I decided in, I think it was November, and then I think it was May it was out. Yeah. The first issue. And how long did it take to make the first issue? From November. That's not bad. No. That's a really good turnaround time for that. Well, uh, yeah, no, I, I really wanted it out. Yeah. I think that, and how did you, or I guess to back up a tiny bit, how did you choose to make that a magazine versus just content you would add to the blog. That was sort of my biggest quibble with the first round of online magazines that came out is I thought they would have just made spectacular blogs. But I think you've really moved towards embracing like the print format in a way that I think is why the magazine is still around. And I think a lot of the original online ones kind of didn't understand how to make that online format work to their advantage. Mm. So how did you choose like, did it just seem like a natural progression to do a magazine and not just kind of integrate like that original content into the blog? Yeah, I mean, uh, since I have, you know, my magazine background, I was like, I wanted to see it in a layout. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to create a magazine that I wanted to read. Yeah. And it's funny now, when I look at the first issue, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. (laughs) You know, there's like so many things I would redo, but it's, you know, it's, um, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, that was my start. Yeah. Um, And, and. You know the 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 thing is that I was gonna I was gonna continue just having it as an online magazine, and you know, and then um, I got contacted by Anthropology, Mm -hmm. who said we want to sell your magazine in the stores. I was like, well, that's great, but it's an online magazine, Mm -hmm. and they were like, well, we'll we'll help you. That's so great. Yeah, so that's actually the reason why I'm started to print yeah i thought so interesting that they kind of led that for you um i'm curious about how doing the online magazine and then the print magazine has changed your relationship with your blog or or sort of your the way you feel about online in general do you feel as connected to your blog and the online audience as you did before well the thing is that my original blog i don't have anymore Mm -hmm. it's still there but it's you know it's yeah it's it's not it's not live um, I started I had maybe what you can call a little like blog fatigue yeah you know and I know about that I wanted a <laughs> yes I'm sure you do I wanted a instead of a blog I wanted a website mm-hmm. where you can find the same things yeah you'll find all the the recipes you'll find all the crafts but it's more it's 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 a website. Mm-hmm. It's not a blog. Yes. And that's what I wanted because I was re- getting really, maybe a little exhausted about, mm-hmm. you know, content. And the thing with my blog was that I, I didn't blog about anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone sent me a product, I was like, okay, that's pretty, but I'm not going to write about it. Yeah. I only wrote about my own work. Yeah. So I found it to be, you know, to, to produce all this stuff was getting like... A little tiresome. Yeah. So I'd rather put it into a magazine. 
I think that's great. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to, with more from Paulo of Sweet Paul Magazine. original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet designed to purify and detoxify blueprint cleanse is made from the freshest 100% raw and usda certified organic ingredients cold pressed to retain nutrients and flavor blueprint also offers a line of organic juices cold pressed and raw in a variety of fruit and vegetable combinations and available in individual bottles Blueprint Cleanse is available at Whole Foods Market and many other retailers across the U.S. To learn more about their line of organic cleanses, juices, and other products, visit them today at Blueprint.com or call them at 866-774-6831. That's 866-774-6831. Work hard, play hard. Cleanse, repeat. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm speaking with Paul Lowe of Sweet Paul Magazine. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the beginning of the blog and then the transition to a magazine and eventually to print, which was spurred on by anthropology. Um, I want to ask a little bit about, I mean, even though you're sort of running your own business now, you're essentially a freelancer. Um, how do you sort of find security and stability when you're running your own business like this? I feel like the last year or so have been a little shaky for online people and for kind of the lifestyle niche because so many like the big old established print magazines have closed and I feel like the way ad networks and things like that are working or changing and how do you find like stability and security in that does does the printing contract thing sort of feel stable enough for you or do you not worry about that stuff um no it, it doesn't but I'm I'm lucky because I um you know all the content that we uh, make for this magazine we resell to other magazines around oh, the world. I didn't know you did that. Mm -hmm. So we have an agent in Holland that resells most of our work. Oh. And that's, you know, it's a it's actually a good fair amount of money. So so um plus that brain's we, exploding right now, Paul. I know. Do, are people are American magazines doing that? Like no. Lonnie and Moon and all no, that? No, no, no. no. 
Does that exist? That's crazy. Well, it, I mean, not the concept, but I just did not know that was happening in Europe. You know, um, how should I say this, like, without offending? <laughs> just go for without it. Without offending, you yeah. know, at least the amount of people. It's, um, it's, it's, Europeans are not that interested, or, or the rest of the world don't like stuff if it's like looks too American. Mm, gotcha. You know what I mean? No, so, I so selling, so selling like a home or something yeah. can be kind of difficult. Yeah. But selling some some food is much easier because that's like more universal. But that's so fascinating that they're willing to pay for that. I feel like that's a huge question I have for you that I want to talk about. It's sort of, I feel like in America in particular, there's in the last couple of years, there's been this just drastic devaluing of original content. It's this concept yes. that like everything should just be for free. Hmm. These elaborate photo shoots and things that involve stylists and professional chefs and things, that those should all just be given away for free and pinned and whatnot. And so it doesn't seem like that's happening in Europe so much, is it? Well, actually, a, a lot of these like, big high fashion magazines they don't pay anything yeah they won't pay you like they expect to get everything yes um you you can't if if you are if you are a creative if you're in, you're in this business and you want to be in certain magazines mm -hmm. that's kind of your ticket in yeah so so that it it's kind of expected but i i, I understand what you mean there's a lot of you know I get emails every day from people who wants to, you know, use pictures mm -hmm. online and use them in magazines or use them on blogs. Mm -hmm. And I started, I started now. If it, if it's, if I don't see if it's a good match, I say no. Yeah. In the beginning, I was like, yeah, oh my god, yes, please take it, take yeah. it, take it. Yeah. Now I'm like, mm -mm. well, there because seemed to be more value in that a couple of years ago because people seemed to be legitimately using that as a way to rediscover whatever new publication that was but now it just kind of seems like this endless amount of like throwing coal and like a fire it's just kind of just more stuff and more stuff and more stuff and mm -hmm. i think people care less about who's actually making it and it's just that distilled into one image and so i find i mean i just constantly get emails from people who want to use content but the idea of paying for it just seems offensive to them and i'm like well, we you know, we spent a week and a half working on whatever this entertaining story was, and we bought all this food and took all these photographs, and, and they're like, "Well, yeah, we just want them all, high res now." And yeah, and it blows my mind. It's funny if you then ask for money. Oh yeah, they don't even respond. Yeah, <laughs> I had an I had an English magazine last week who wanted like they were like wanted me to send them four images, high res. Please do it right away, and it's for a holiday issue and blah blah. And I was thinking, really. <laughs> And then I said, well, the price is this and this. Yeah. Did, then nothing. No, heard yeah. nothing. Yeah. And there must be enough people doing that that it's it's not a problem for them to just reach out and do that. But especially when you can tell that content is professionally produced and your magazine is clearly produced professionally, it just blows my mind that people don't understand that that's something that should be valued and it's not just something that people create in a vacuum just for anyone to take however they want to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's it's also like... It was interesting. I had a conversation with a big company a couple of weeks ago, and they wanted to know how to how to use how to use blogs and online sites to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And I told them, "You guys have to sorry have to pay." Yeah, you know, you can't expect us to you know post stuff and, and use your your things. You have to actually pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. feel like that transition hasn't happened yet, and I wonder like what it is in Europe no. is a little bit different than what's happening here. 
Um, but it's fascinating because I just feel like I see so much magazine content, both online and print, just sort of end up on Pinterest or other blogs, like a complete full format with absolutely no crediting, and nobody seems to care anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of like it. It, it is kind of going that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe because everything used to be free online. Yeah. I think that was like the big mistake people were doing. Mm-hmm. People were giving away yeah. too much content for free. Yeah. So we have to do something about that. I know. It's still, I was, that was one of the biggest sort of sad but kind of expected kickbacks I think that happened when we did the first book we did a couple years ago was that I made the mistake of looking at the Amazon comments, all of which are just people who are like, $30 for a book. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, no, you can't. This, this. And I was like, that's two years worth of work. $30 is a steal. Oh, my I God. Know. And you've been giving them free content for how many years? Yeah, for like 10 years. And then, <laughs> but, then but then this sort of print magazine phenomenon that's happened, I find so hopeful. Because yes. you look at how much, like, I can't remember who was telling me the other day that, like, Stephen Allen is, like, one of the biggest buyers of print magazines now and they bought this insane amount of issues of like kinfolk or whatever which is like a what between 20 and 30 dollar print magazine mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people are are spending on these like beautifully made print magazines like yours and i think that's so promising and so hopeful that there's there's some audience out there that's willing to support financially mm. people who have a very strong aesthetic vision and i think the ones that aren't as strong and aren't as focused as, as magazines like yours aren't aren't going to stick around but i think that's fine i'd rather just see like really, really strong, clean aesthetic visions that feel different from other people's. What do you think are sort of the main things that separate you from other magazines in your niche? How do you see yours as so different? Um, we try to make things very simple for mm-hmm. people, for our readers. Um, like the recipes are very simple. There's few ingredients, but there's always a little twist that will make it a little unexpected mm-hmm. or something that will impress your friends or family. Yeah. And the same with the craft project. It's like, I love taking stuff that you have around the house mm-hmm. and turn it into something fabulous. Yeah. I hate when you have to go out, you, you look at a craft project and you think, oh my God, this is so pretty. And you look at the how-to and you're like, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. And then you look at the ingredients list and you're like, oh, I have to go out and buy all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I love to just, Take something you have and turn it into something fabulous. Yeah. I'm heavily into recycling. Yeah. I think that's great. I love that I love that you do so much stuff where like kids crafting as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we were joined a few minutes ago by Max Tealman from Design Sponge who came in. Hi Max. Say hi to the mic. <laughs> and Max has, has always since I've known him been sort of just singing the praises of the Martha Stewart's craft kids magazine that is no longer Mm -hmm. um and i think some of us really miss like how simple those projects were and i feel like that's something you do so incredibly well of just like these very sweet and simple projects that are totally fine for adults but are also just so great for kids as well well you want to you know i remember when i went to school and made something came home my mom would always say oh honey that would look great in your room (laughs) and i was like but can't we put it on the like the fridge and she's like no that's for notes and stuff (laughs) so i want to create something i want to do something that your kids can make but actually Mm -hmm. you don't have to be embarrassed about yeah and i will say that we are um Going to do a little shameless self-promotion here. Mm-hmm. We are making um, another kids' holiday this year. Yeah. I thought that that's last one be, was so good. It's going to be really fun. I think that's great. I think it's nice. We don't do a lot of kids' content on Design Sponge because none of us have kids yet. But I think it's so it's so nice to be able to integrate younger people into projects like that. And I think it's 
I, I wish I had been brought up doing more of that. Like I really didn't do anything like that growing up other than maybe like small woodworking stuff, mm-hmm. like hammering things together, but there wasn't a lot of like craft skill stuff happening. I think it's so nice to kind of bring kids up with that tradition really early. Um, I want to talk about, if we only have a few minutes left, um, what the biggest lessons are that you've learned from the magazine so far. Oh, the biggest lessons. Um, that um, it's much more work than you think. <laughs> that you will be constantly in front of your computer, 24-7. That people, <laughs> people are not very good with deadlines. Oh. <laughs> that sometimes you have to like put on your bitch hat and you know say to people that you're this is two weeks do you know yeah where is it yeah um i think mostly that it's 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 much more work than you think but the amazing thing is that it's so much fun mm-hmm. because you're making something for yourself mm-hmm. i'm so super lucky all my you know professional life i always had people telling me what to do yeah I have no one telling me what to do. I can do exactly what I want. There's no like, oh, I don't like blue plates. I don't like, <laughs> oh, I don't think I like that yellow. I can do exactly what I want. I can use blue plates like green in the face. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's such a liberating feeling. That's so great. What's coming up next for Sweet Paul? It's actually a lot. We're doing a kids issue. And That's when will gonna, that be out? That will be out um, November 15th. It's actually going to be an app. Ooh. It's our first app. We're trying to see how it works. If this works well, we're going to do every issue as an app. Ooh. Our regular holiday issue comes out um, December 15th. No, November 15th. Um, my, my, my book, Sweet Paul Eat and Make, comes out in April. You Very have a lot excited. Going on. Yes, and we are doing a. Sweet Paul Dash the Makery Creative Weekend in New York <gasps> in March. When is that? March 2014? Mm-hmm. That's going to be good. What's that going to entail? That's going to be really fun. That's gonna, I'm lo- loving this trend of like real life pop-up stuff that's happening with workshops and yes, classes. Yes. And, and the, thing is, the thing is that people love it. As I told you, I had this thing with a big company a few weeks ago and we did... After, you know, talking and all this stuff, we did um, some crafting. Yeah. So we had one table making bracelets, and then we had one table making reefs, um, driftwood reefs. Yeah. And these guys in their suits who haven't crafted in like 30 <laughs> years, they were so into it. They were just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I haven't done anything like this in school. This is like so awesome. They loved it. So, yeah, it's like this whole creative trend is just getting bigger and bigger and people who didn't think they you know could do it is totally into it i think it's a great i'm gonna be at that one for sure I'm yes you will yes i will and so is max i'm gonna drag max <laughs> not in your head there you go you're both welcome <laughs> we will be there with bells on uh paul thanks so much for talking with us today it was so nice to hear what you're up to and for everyone listening, you can check out Paul at sweetpaulmag.com and pick up an issue at Anthropology or anywhere else you can find it. It is truly, truly beautiful. And definitely check out the holiday issues. Those are always my favorite. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.